0: Um, this morning uh i think about the christmas story and uh it's the perfect story isn't it uh that uh, a beautiful woman a young girl uh has a baby has a baby and the the walking and and going to a far off city and then having to spend time in a, a manger and yet the beauty of the simplicity of having a baby and, you know, the baby boy, I mean, girls are great and everything, but uh, having a baby boy is just something important, you know. I'm just teasing, come on. I may be sick, but I'm, I haven't lost my sense of humor. Uh, uh, but uh, what a great story, and I think that all of us love it. I know uh, at our house we have uh, three or four different nativity scenes, and the kids have all loved to play with them, and, you know, you, you kind of put them around, and it's just this feeling of just what an amazing scene that must have been. And so this morning, I wanted to talk about uh, the baby Jesus and why he came, why he came. And hopefully this won't be as unrelated as it seems at the first part, but maybe I'll be able to tie this together. If you'll turn in your Bibles to the book of Philemon. Philemon, you might have to use that thing in the front of your Bible table of contents you know uh, Philemon it's uh um you know if you really want to be ambitious, you could read the whole book you could read the whole book um we kind of want to say it's just one chapter, but it's really not. It's just one page. You know, there's no chapters. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you the whole book. <laughs> Excuse me. God's word says this Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved. Fellow worker and Aphia, our sister, and our Chippis, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective. For the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ, for I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because our hearts uh, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you accordingly, though I am bold enough to in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for the sake for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you, I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me, In order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be under compulsion, but of your own accord. For perhaps it is why he was parted from you for a while that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother especially to me, but how much more to you, both in flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you or owes you anything, charge it that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of you owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. And at the same time, prepare a guest room for me. For I'm hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you and with your spirit. And God, we pray again, asking that you would, through your Holy Spirit, teach us from your word. Thrill us with the gospel, the gospel of Jesus, the baby we celebrate. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, uh, as we come to this passage, I don't know that I've ever heard of anyone using this as a Christmas passage. It's a passage of a man, a slave owner, a slave, and the Apostle Paul. And if you really get into the story in verse 4, Paul is thanking and reflecting uh, on Philemon's salvation. Uh, We don't really know a whole lot about Philemon or Onesimus, for that matter, but we Here in verse 4, he says he thanks God for them, for him specifically. He thanks him uh, for a few things, and I just want to point them out real briefly. Um, Verse 5 says, because I hear of your love, because I hear of your love. And what you see Paul doing here is he's thanking God. He does this very often. He did it in the book of Colossians. He, he does it in many epistles where he talks about a person, but he thanks God for them. And the picture is this, that God, because of his love, sent Jesus to come and to save someone's soul. And so as we see something good or Paul sees something good in the life of someone, he thanks God for it. And so this morning, uh, as we turn to the, uh, this little book of Philemon, we see that he thanks God for Philemon. Verse four, I thank God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love. Um, We're going to see in these next few verses some things that changed in Philemon. The first one being love. It's interesting uh, that one of the things that God does in us through the change of the gospel because Jesus enters our life, one of the things that changes is that we now, where uh, bitterness and anger and unforgiveness has has found its place, it is now replaced for love, with love. It, it's that because Jesus loves us, he equips us so that it would go out one to another. I think that this is really the basis for our, our love for one another, is that we first would have been loved by Christ. That we have now been equipped, and because we've had the ultimate example and that God has changed our heart, that because of his love, now there will be love going out from us. <coughs> Excuse me. We see love first, and then he he goes on to say uh, love and the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus. Faith, uh, we went over this in our uh, men's Bible study this last week. Some other words that can be connected with that, faith or trust or belief. And the picture there is this, that he says, "I, I see your faith in the Lord Jesus, and that's a change that happens, right? When we come to know the gospel, it's no longer we trust in whatever else we trusted in before, most of the time ourselves. We no longer trust in those other things. We now have a trust and a faith that's in the Lord Jesus. See, that's a change. That's a change. All these, I hope that as you see and hear what Paul's talking about in the life of Philemon, you go, I know that about that. I remember what it was like before I'd I'd trusted in Christ. I remember what that really looked like as I went about my life and what I trusted in prior and how God has changed me because of Jesus. He says, Love. He says, Faith. Um, He he goes on and he says this uh, that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints, and for all the saints. I hate to uh, do this to some of you because this is going to mess you up. Uh, Who are the saints? It's us. It's us. I hate to say it. There's another church that thinks that's not true. And I'll just say it plainly. They're wrong. (laughs) Okay? I don't care how big they are. (laughs) Okay? I don't have a ring or anything that you can... I'm just saying, that's what it is, okay? Saints, saints. We are the saints. We are the saints. And this is what's so difficult for us to get through in our mind. There's a reason we we don't think of ourselves as saints, right? Why? Because the way you act, right? It's tough, isn't it? It's tough. And this is the picture of the gospel, is that even though, even though sin comes out of our lives... Even though uh, we haven't completed the course in the sense of dying and going on. Because of what Jesus has done in you. In you. You're a saint. You're a saint. I want us to get that. And, and the, you get this picture here. What, what does he say? The love for all the saints. The love for all the saints. What happens? What happens in you when you come to know Christ? These people... That used to repulse you. Now you think of them as family. You know what I mean? There's a man. Um, a man I love very much. Uh, he was a super high powered businessman. Maybe you've never met somebody like this. In some ways I had never met someone like him. And uh, he, uh, he was a businessman. I mean like he'd go. Uh, he'd buy anything he'd buy anything he he, there was no sense of like parameters to what kind of business or he told me one time he was driving through the small little town where we lived and he saw a video store going out of business and he uh and he stopped and he said how much do you want for all your inventory right here and i go why did you do that he says oh it just seemed like maybe a good deal and so he bought them all he bought all these uh videos and he says, yeah, you know, I bought them. I pulled a few, and then I sold the rest on eBay. And he and was like, why did you even do that? Why did you bother with it? Oh, I just thought it would be a good idea. He was he he was deathly sick. He was deathly sick. He, he had cancer, and he went down to uh, Mexico to get some warm weather. And he came back, and he told me at church, he said, I almost bought a business down when I was down there. <laughs> and I said, you did what? And he goes, yeah, it was a restaurant. He says, I've never owned a restaurant, but... It was a good deal, and I almost bought it. He was that type of guy. It was interesting. Uh, God changed his life in our time that we were together. and uh, One of the things that I saw in him as he had his cancer, as God was changing his heart, as Christ took over his life, he loved God's people. He loved them. He'd die to get to church. He'd drag himself to get there. And you watched this man who had filled his life with money. He'd filled his life with pursuits. And he's done many things that we can only dream of. Now that was replaced for love for the saints that God had done in his life. And as God uh, inspired Paul to write this little letter to Philemon, he says this. He says, I see love. I see faith. I see your love and commitment to these people, to these people, these saints around you. I want you to, uh, as he's reflecting and he remembers Philemon, it just makes him smile. He also says, uh, he prays for the sharing of their faith, that that may become effective and full knowledge of every good thing for for the sake of Christ. He remembers that now because of what uh, God had done in the life of Philemon through his son Jesus, He said, now your life is now about sharing faith. And I pray that that's being effective and that's something that is working. And you know that, that once we come to know Christ and we've heard the message ourselves, that there's a sense of now purpose that we want others to know. This is a change that goes in the gospel. And the last thing I want to point out, um, Paul writes in verse 7, for I derive much joy and comfort from your love. My brother, because of the, uh, the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. He was thinking about Philemon's life, his life, and joy rose up in his heart. You know what? Uh, that, that's true for us, one to another. When I think of different people. And I I see how God's changed their life, and I see how uh, they have ministered to me and to others. I, there's a sense of joy that comes from me even thinking about them. There's a joy that comes from the gospel. Paul reflects on this, that this happened to Philemon, that because of what Jesus did, Jesus came right. Jesus came as a baby, but he didn't come as a baby just to be a cute baby. I'm sure he was. I'm sure his mother loved him at at the sight of him. (coughs) Excuse me. But Jesus came to be the suffering king. He came to be the one that, that would sacrifice himself so that people could be changed, could be changed. And Paul, as he writes to Philemon, he says, I remember who you were before. I understand the change. I see the evidence of the change of Jesus in you. You know what? This morning, uh, I I want you to know uh, that word change, uh, it's dramatic. It's dramatic for us. It's not something where uh, we, we change the tires on our car. We change our hair color. We change our clothing. We change, uh, you know, our likes or dislikes. It's not something subtle. It's something dramatic that Jesus does in our lives. Some of you have been coming here a very long time. You, you've maybe gone to church for a very long time. And you you say, you know, I know the songs. I can I can sing along. I know where I'm supposed to sit. Some of you tried to mess me up last week and sit on the wrong side. It does mess me up a little bit, you know. Next week, I'm going to preach from the back and see how you like it. Uh, uh, we, uh, We think there's some subtle change that has to happen, but I want to tell you that coming to know Jesus Christ is a transformation. It's changing us in a dramatic way. The old person, it's a new life. It's, a, it's the picture of the new life that comes from knowing Jesus. And this is what we get changed to. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. That's what happened in the life of Philemon. And yet that wasn't the purpose of Paul writing. He thanked God for him always as he prayed for him. He remembered what God had done in his life. But then you look at verse 8. Paul changes his tone. And it's more of a, a, almost a command that he is going to bring to him. (coughs) We don't like commands, do we? We like when people say, please do this if you want to. We don't like the idea that this is where you have to go with this. This is is where you must be. And yet, uh, as Paul uh, writes to Philemon, this is what he says. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you, I, Paul, an old man, and now prisoner also for Christ Jesus. That's a pretty long intro, isn't it? I could, I could command you to do this. He was going to throw down his apostolic badge and say, I am from God. I speak for God. He tells me a message. I give it to you and you must do this. He says, I kind of want to do that. I kind of want to do that. I want to tell you, you have to do this. He reflects also, um, some of you use this card around here as well. Did you catch it in there? An old man. I don't know if he was saying, I I outrank you or have pity on me. I'm just an old man with one wish, you know. Paul uh, describes to him that this is going to be something uh, that he desires to appeal to him, to do what is right. To do what is right. And now a prisoner also of Christ Jesus. He says this, verse 10. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus. For my child Onesimus. Who's Onesimus? (laughs) What do you mean your child Onesimus? You have a baby boy you didn't tell us about? (laughs) You get this picture here. Uh, For us, as we read through this story, we go... Who's Onesimus? Where'd he come on the scene? I thought this was a letter to Philemon. (coughs) Excuse me. It was a letter to Philemon. But the purpose of this letter to Philemon is to talk about Onesimus. To talk about what had happened in Onesimus' life. And he refers to him as his child. His child. We read on... um, His child, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Paul had been imprisoned for the gospel. Uh, uh, He refers to himself as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Because of what Christ has done, I became a prisoner. And he says, In my imprisonment, Onesimus became my child. And this is a classic Paul phrase. This is the way he thinks about the gospel. As he shares the gospel, and as someone comes to faith, he thinks of them as this intimate relationship of father to son. And he says, Onesimus, he became my child in my imprisonment. You get this picture of what must have happened. You know, imprisonment for them was a little bit different than for us. They didn't have a security facility that like we have here in the great city of Tehachapi, where you just don't walk up to the window and say, hey, how's, how are things going? In fact, m- much of the imprisonment was house arrest type things, where they were confined and they had to be in a certain place. There wasn't a sense, uh, I don't want to get any of you rolling in your thoughts, because there wasn't a sense of them getting food and taken care of during their imprisonment. Family and friends would have had to take take care of them by way of food and those type of things, and so there were people coming and going all the time. And somehow, some way, uh, in this Paul's imprisonment, Onesimus came to faith in Jesus Christ. He he came to know Christ. Paul had shared the gospel, and Onesimus had accepted it, and so now. Paul refers to him as his son. As his son. <coughs> Excuse me. In verse 11, he says this Whose father I became in my, my imprisonment, verse 11, formerly he was useless to you. Formally he was useless. As Philemon looked upon Onesimus, and we're going to find out why in a little bit, but as he looked upon, as he thought about, as Philemon could think about Onesimus in his mind when he was absent, he goes, man, he's useless, worthless person. This morning, I want you to ask yourself, do you think about people like that? Do you think about them as worthless? Is it a family member? Is it a coworker? Is it someone that's your neighbor? Is it someone that's harmed you in an awful way? And you say, they're useless. I wish they didn't even exist. Useless. Formerly he was useless to you. But now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Paul says now things are different. He's not useless anymore. He's useful both to you and to me. You know what, uh, as I think about this word uh, useless and useful, um, I think we should be able to relate to this, right? Tell me about your life apart from Christ. Useless. Fumbling around. It's not that you weren't doing things. Uh, It's just that the things that you were doing, you shouldn't have been doing, right? It's not that you didn't accomplish anything. But for the work that God was doing, there was a sense of uselessness to it. And now because of the gospel, there's a sense of purpose that you could have never had apart from him. Paul says this in verse 12, I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart, my very heart. You get this uh, sense that even in a short period of time, Paul, as he connected with Onesimus, as Onesimus came to know Christ, and as Paul connected with him, he says, he's part of me now. This is something that I, I, he has my heart. He has my heart. I love him. And in verse 13, it says this. I would have been glad to keep him in order that he might uh, serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel he says you know there's a great servant he, he's not just a little useful he says i wanted to keep him i wanted to keep him <coughs> paul once again uh kind of lets in on his apostolic view of himself and he says uh, i felt like i should i felt like i should verse 14 He says, but I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but your own accord. There's a sense where he wanted his giving to come out of his love, his love for the gospel for Jesus Christ. He wanted him to be generous and to think through how that would come out from him because Philemon had been changed by the gospel, Onesimus had been changed by the gospel, and that Philemon would just do what was right. He wanted it to come out of this compelling compelling love. Verse 15, For, for this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, That you might have him back forever. And this verse 16 is where it all hinges right here. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother. This is the story, okay? Philemon owned at least one slave. Don't get caught up in whether slavery was right or wrong. It was much like the occupations we have today without strings, contracts. We don't know why uh, uh, Onesimus was a slave, whether he was sold by his parents or because of his own debts. We don't know any of that. We just know that he had a relationship with Philemon, that he was a slave. There's a sense in which we understand that there's a relationship there. And for whatever reason, Onesimus left. He left his His connection and his responsibility, he may have stolen even as he left. And there there was a sense where he had wronged, he had done wrong. And in Onesimus, where did he go? Where did he go after he left? We know he went to one place where Paul was. We know that. And that in his time of uh, running, uh, of doing what's wrong, you, you can imagine maybe there was a sense of even knowing that Philemon what might be after him, of looking over his shoulder and considering, you know, what what have I done? And you know, well, I've lived my life on the run, and somehow he comes to know the gospel. He comes to know the gospel, and so this changes everything, doesn't it? And so Paul writes to Philemon and he says, I want you to take him back. I want you to take him back. No longer as a bondservant or just as a bondservant. Take your slave back. But not as a bondservant, but as a brother. As a brother. As part of your family. You see, this is why Jesus came. He didn't come just so that we could get along better he didn't come that we would have a better life and that we'd be able to uh, work hard and have nice beautiful family photos and uh, that that we would just be able but that he was going to change everything he would take the most dramatic thing that can envision a slave owner to a a slave and he'd say I'm going to put you in the same family I'm going to put you in the same family. I'm going to have you consider one another as brothers. There's all kinds of barriers of finances and work and connections of slaves. But he says, that's not what's going to be most important. What's going to be most important is that Jesus came to die for sinners and to change and to transform their life in such a way that they would no longer consider themselves just a business relationship, just neighbors, just friends, but that they would consider each other family. This is what Paul wanted to tell him. I want to share with you one verse. Uh, it's fresh on my mind because we had gone over Colossians not too long ago. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 11, it says this, talking about this change of the gospel, okay? Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. What is the most important thing about a person? What changes everything? You get this picture in your mind where where you say you know um, I, I I don't like a certain occupation I don't like those people who do that I, I don't like you know it, some of you I was sharing with someone at the um, men's breakfast yesterday that came in wearing a L.A. Dodgers hat and I just looked at him and I go in church even come on the Dodgers. You know, that tests us, doesn't it? Whether the gospel has really changed our heart, whether we can like someone who's a Dodgers fan, right? But this is the picture here. I I realize I I use something that's insignificant as sports. But these are the kinds of things that we grow up with these phobias and ideas. This group of people are bad. You know, uh, our... our dis, you know, when we think about our ancestors, and they didn't like this one group of people, and so because I'm this person, I don't like this group of people. You know, we judge people on the color of their skin or their background. You know, we struggle with, you know, we look at people and we say, oh, you're wearing this kind of clothing or that kind of clothing. So, I, you know, I know who you are. But what's the picture here? The picture is this, that Jesus came to die for sinners. As I look at uh, this verse, verse 16, No longer as a slave, but much more than a slave, as a beloved brother. It just just rips me up inside. Because I realize that's the only thing that matters. As you look down, skipping down to verse 17, it says this. uh, So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. What a bold statement, right? The apostle Paul showed up in town. I think we'd roll out the red carpet, right? Sent by God. I know that, you know, um, I'll give you my bed. (laughs) I'll I'll lay out the best meal. Paul's here, right? (coughs) Paul says, treat your slave like that. Treat your slave like that. Because everything's changed. Receive him as you would receive me. And he's asking the question, you know, did Jesus change everything? Because if he did, now things are different between you and Onesimus. Paul says this in verse 18. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I think that's funny the way he said that because I was wondering if he had an account with him. You know, put it on my tab. You have a tab? I think this is what he was referring to as he goes on. Uh, in verse 19, he says, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of you, your owing me, even your own self. Uh, Paul, th- this is the connection here. Paul had most likely led Philemon to the Lord. And he says, remember you? Remember you? Who? How'd you get in this family? How'd you get here? And he says, I want to remind you that that was your slave Onesimus and that I was the one who shared with you. And so now, as I tell you about what happened in Onesimus' life, it's just like what happened in your life. So this is why we are connected in this family brotherhood. I want to tell you there's a debt of faith, isn't there? That as we look around, as we as we consider how we came to know Christ, there should be a sense of debt that we have. Not in a guilty way or anything else, but to know that we did not deserve to be here. The grace of the gospel came to us. And it wasn't because of our own doing. It wasn't because we were good enough and that he wasn't picking the baseball team and we were the best pick he saved us on the basis of His love. And so He calls us to act differently, to be changed. <coughs> Just a few things as I tie up this morning in the story of Philemon and Onesimus and Paul. What does this have to do with Christmas? <laughs> what does this have to do with the baby? <laughs> Not a whole lot. I mean, it's it's fairly... Uh, Simple story of a runaway slave comes to no faith and Paul's sending him back to his slave owner. But he's sending him back and he says, I want you to know that things are different. This morning, um, as we think of our own lives and how this relates to Christ. I want you to look at your own heart and ask the question. Has the Lord changed your heart? And if he has, thank him thank him. As you look around and as you see people lost in sin and you realize that God has saved you from that and brought you out of that, there should be a sense of rejoicing. Rejoicing that God has been so gracious to you. When you think of Christmas, uh, as we sing these songs, uh, this is what's so important, is that Jesus came for sinners like me and you. The issue of reconciliation, that he would take your life and all its mess, and that you were a sinner, angry towards the Savior, and that he would change your heart, that you could be friends and family. You could be connected, sinless. The second thing I want to encourage you about is to look at others, look at others around you that have been changed by the gospel. (coughs) Excuse me. And thank him for the change in them. To realize that they're no longer just young people or old people. They're not just male or female. They're not just a, a certain nationality and a certain group of people. They're not just an occupation, a correctional officer, a fireman, a policeman, a teacher. These are people that have been changed by the gospel. And praise the Lord for the changes that you see in them. And then lastly, I want to encourage you to see the unbelievers around you, people who haven't trusted in Christ. See them in the gospel. See them in the gospel. At our house, um, this happens every day, that uh, one of us will come home, most of the time it's the kids, and they'll tell a grand story of what happened at recess or in the classroom or on the bus. And they'll talk about filth of this world, and they'll say, "This is what's going on. This is what's happening. This is how I was treated." And there's a sense in our minds as parents, as we jump on board with that, we're like, "Let's go smash them into smithereens." Where, where's that kid live? You know, uh, you know, um, put me in your pocket, and I want to ride the bus with you tomorrow, and then pop out at the most inopportune time for them. We. We feel that way as parents. And yet we have to check ourselves in our house and remember that nothing, nothing that we see in the lives of the wicked around us can't be changed by the gospel. Nothing that, that we can see around us. You know, that, that's n- no match for the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He takes the wickedest of sinners and he changes them to be saints. This is why Jesus came, to change people from being those who were useless to those who are useful. Um, And that's what he did for us. Let's pray and ask God to change our hearts. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of being in a church where we celebrate Jesus. Um, God, we ask that in this Christmas season, as we uh, think through uh, the baby Jesus, that we would Remember that he came to save sinners like Philemon, like Paul, like Onesimus, like Kevin, like you all. That he came to save us, to make us those who could be called and call one another brothers and sisters in the family of God. Thank you for this morning. We ask that you bless your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here this morning. You are dismissed.